0: You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Welcome to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast. I'm David Liu, rheumatologist and clinical pharmacologist in Melbourne, Australia. And today, we've got the pleasure of talking to two researchers who have done some incredible work looking at a challenge that faces us in everyday practice, especially nowadays, about counting tendon swollen joints via video. Um, Charlotte and Karen are two of the authors on an article that's just been published as part of the training publishing program for rheumatology advances in practice, how to self-examine for tendon swollen joints, co-producing training video for people with rheumatoid arthritis. So I'll get them to introduce themselves. Karen and Charlotte, can you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Hello, I'm Karen Staniland. I have had rheumatoid arthritis for about 12 years. Uh, I've been on every drug mentionable, I believe, um, and uh, currently I'm in remission. I've got a good rheumatologist. Um, I, I am a nurse by background, which I don't know whether is a disadvantage or an advantage because I know how sh- things should be done,
2: and, and that's me.
0: <laughs> and Charlotte, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thanks very much. So my name is Charlotte Sharp. I'm a consultant rheumatologist based in Manchester and I spend some of my time doing applied health research, often working with patients to co-produce research and products to help them to um, understand their um, diseases and disease activity. Um, and when I put this work together, I was working as a trainee, so an academic clinical lecturer splitting my time
0: 50-50. So maybe Karen, I can ask you, tell me a little bit about the the gap that made this video so important. Um, the situation that we were in at that time and, I guess, why we needed this type of work?
1: Well, I think the, the idea arose from a patient participation group attached to a study called Remora where we had a group of seven female uh, patients and we we got talking during one of the meetings and it was evident that not one of us knew how to examine our joints. Although we'd attended clinics for years, we'd had our joints examined, and we didn't really know about the DAS28 or why the joints were examined. And and even the biggest discussion was why the feet weren't included. And after the meeting, I did a bit of a a look, a search on the internet, and I found articles, some of which weren't available because they're behind a, um, a firewall and a few YouTube videos, but it was clinician showing clinician and I couldn't find anything showing patients how to examine their joints. And and at the stage that we were with the pandemic arising, there were more and more remote consultations and telephone consultations. So it seemed to us to evolve because again, linked with the Remora, which is the um, monitoring of rheumatoid arthritis via an app. Um, it was necessary for patients to have some idea of how to examine their joints, so it evolved. We took it back to the research team and Charlotte got involved and, and that's, that's how it arose, really.
0: Absolutely. I mean, telehealth is not going away. Telemedicine is not going away at all in rheumatology and if you live in a country like mine where a lot of people live very far away from a rheumatologist, It's incredibly useful, but I think even in the urban setting, people still find it incredibly useful to make sure that they can get to their rheumatology appointments and stay engaged with their rheumatology care. Um, Mm. And I'm sure that's the same, the same situation throughout the UK.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes.
0: So going forward, I, I can imagine that the kind of video that you've put together really could have a substantive impact on the way that clinical rheumatology care occurs in the UK?
1: I think so. I mean, I think I was quite naive at the beginning because I thought that you could just really role play a clinician-patient interview and, uh, or a nurse uh, or healthcare professional and, and examine joints. But I soon learnt <laughs> that it was far more complicated than that. And we had needed storyboards and, and all sorts. Um, Charlotte did most of the arrangements for it. So it was far more complicated than I initially Thought.
0: So tell me a little bit about what the video includes and what the video covers, the gap in its essence that it's able to address.
1: I think the essence of the video is that it's simple, um, it's extremely well organized, you can zoom into specific sections and it's understandable. and, And I think to help patients understand something you need to go right back to the beginning and start because if you lose them at the beginning that's it you've lost them forever so I I think it's very very clear Uh, it's been edited a lot uh, using patient what not using asking patients what they would like in it and what they would like changed and I think an example that I can think of is the joint count and the, the actual gap, which was difficult to feel. So we went over and over that and, and we had more diagrams to help patients uh, identify where that was. Um, but I think it was, it was heavily reliant on patient opinion. What would appeal to patients? And I think that's the difference. It wasn't a clinician talking to a clinician. It, it was healthcare professionals talking to patients and meeting their needs
2: in the video and in terms of the content as Karen said it was really important to start with the definitions for for patients so there was a kind of introduction about why we uh, measure joint counts And then very clearly explaining the difference between tender and swollen joints and how, you know, synovitis feels like a boggy swelling versus osteoarthritis. Mm. And then how hard to press. And then it's split into different individual joint examinations. And there's a skeleton and um, anatomical picture to show where to press. So lots of sort of reinforcement about why we're doing it, what the DAS28 is, and then the individual joint examinations as well. And you can um, select a particular section or you can watch it as one video to run through.
0: And I mean, we all know, uh, well, certainly uh, rheumatologists and rheumatology trainees are very conscious about the idea that it's not straightforward to do a swollen joint count. Uh, I think it took me months as a rheumatology trainee to, to get to a level where I could trust myself. So it must have been really difficult to decide which bits should stay in the video and which bits needed to be in the video in, and in what order and to what extent to really deliver the maximum impact in terms of being able to deliver the best outcome.
1: It, it did take a lot of work, but we asked patients, we asked patients how they would want it. Yeah. So, yes. And, you know,
2: Karen and our nurse specialist colleague, Trish Cornell, who features in it, they wrote the storyboard. So, you know, people think might think it's just the videoing, the filming that takes place, but that was the easy bit. We had weeks of writing mm-hmm. the storyboard um, and then editing it with clinician academics and then going back to the patient and public involvement group, really debating a lot of the content. and. As Karen said, afterwards it still wasn't clear to patients where to press, mm-hmm. so we then developed these still images. So I think that shows the benefit of co-production and where you carry that methodology all the way through, including afterwards, and um, to see where you can refine things to try and meet patients' needs.
0: Well, that iterative co-design process really shines through in the video, um, which you can obviously see as a link from the publication on the Rheumatology Advances in Practice website. So I think the question that I'd, I'd ask you, how do you think it's been received by the broader rheumatology uh, professional audience and the uh, consumer and patient audience? Uh, it's been out there circulating now.
1: I think patients have received it very well. I mean, we, we don't know um, exactly the numbers up to date, but uh, I know it's been very well received. But it, it is simple. It is easy to understand. And I think it's been received very well for patients.
2: Yeah, so I had a little sneaky peek this morning and we're just about to hit 50,000 views and I didn't have a firm idea about how much exposure it would get before we put it out there, but I definitely didn't expect it to hit 50,000 views. It's had a lot of attention on social media and interestingly quite a lot of hits from from India was one of the top three uh, international places that, that was using it. Uh, And then apart from, you know, sort of numerical hits, we did do a survey, which was available through the YouTube website, which we've included in the paper, quite small numbers, 26 patients and 22 clinicians that we reported on, but really um, um, very complimentary about it. And I think a key finding was that um, 90% of patients felt more confident to examine for tender Mm. joints and 81% for swollen joints after watching the video, which really is what we were aiming to do. And, and clinicians also were supportive of the video. I think an interesting difference between clinicians and patients feeding back on the survey was that clinicians were worried the video was too long, but patients felt it was the right length. So that, again, shows the dis, slight disconnect between what patients need and what we as clinicians might think they they, they need.
1: It's been translated into German as well, hasn't it, Charlotte?
2: Yeah, that's right. So um, good point, Karen. Yes, I was approached by some German academic colleagues who wanted to use it to support their research study. Um, so, so that was a, a really nice collaboration.
0: I mean, it's wonderful to see this taking um, hold in different uh, patient populations in different parts of the world, because there's, it's a problem which transcends local regional issues. Um can I ask, does it how does it in terms of how it's worked in practice, are there real-world challenges which have really been a problem to how it's been used in in clinic? Um, has it always gone smoothly right throughout the rollout?
2: Yeah, so we haven't um formally evaluated its use in clinical practice. But I think that would be a really interesting piece of work to do and something I would definitely be interested in doing. I think that the real world challenges are, as you've alluded to already, you know, doing a a tender and swollen joint count is um, an important clinical skill. And it's not always consistently performed between healthcare professionals. And so the idea that, um, you know, by watching a 15 minute video, patients might be able to be equally skilled is something that we have experienced challenge on. But my response to that is that we're not trying to replace clinician um, examination. This complements clinician examination. And I think, you know, in terms of remote consultation, if a patient is, is able confidently to feel that they understand the difference between a swollen joint due to osteoarthritis versus inflammatory arthritis, and that they can communicate that to their clinician by a video or telephone consultation, then that might help that clinician to see the patient face-to-face and assess whether or not escalation in treatment is needed. And the other thing is the trend. So you might not have um, validated clinical scores, exactly the same numbers between clinicians and patients. But really, the key is for patients to understand their disease activity. And these people are extremely skilled in managing their own rheumatoid arthritis and other inflammatory arthritis. We see them for 20 minutes. They go home and live with this all the time. Um, And so it's easy to patronise their skills, but to give them a bit more equipment to understand, right, actually today I've got more swollen joints than I had two weeks ago. Perhaps is now the time to seek some help before it turns into even more swollen joints or I feel like this is a flare and this helps me to see, yes, it definitely is. And particularly if they're able to remote monitor through apps like the Remora app that we're currently putting through a step wedge trial to try to implement that uh, more widely in practice can really help people to understand their disease activity. So I think the challenge that this is something that clinicians should reserve for ourselves um, is not one that, that I think really affects this use in practice. I think it should be encouraged.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, um, I think it's easy for us to pretend that rheumatoid arthritis disease activity assessments, some sort of dichotomous process, and so exacting, um, mm. and that especially that we hold swollen joint counts as uh, on, we put them on a pedestal, But perhaps um, there's clearly a role for trying to stratify beyond that. How have you seen this in in your clinical practice, um, seeing rheumatoid arthritis patients via telehealth, via telemedicine? Have you been able to um, use this video to help people examine their own joints so that that you could stratify them better in terms of seeing them?
2: So we actually, in my current practice, we have gone back almost all to -to face-to-face consultations. And because I'm a consultant starting my journey where I now have the privilege of actually seeing the same patient more than once, uh, I would be better able to answer that in a couple of years because I supply my patients with the link to the video but because of the continuity of care um, that I haven't yet really been able to have as a trainee you move around a lot you don't get to see the same patients. so in my own practice I haven't been able to follow up whether or not that has helped people but I hear a lot of anecdotal um, reports that has been helpful we've also used it to support teaching and training if I have medical students in clinic I'll show them how to examine but then also direct them to this because I think it really helps with um, finding the joint line so it's had a, a number of, of uses in practice and I really hope to be able to come back and tell you in a couple of years that it's um, helped people to, to stratify their, their disease but it, another point is that it's being integrated into the Remora app So that when patients are remotely monitoring, they'll have that resource to go to. And we were discussing recently, Karen, I don't know if you want to report on the discussion you've had in our patient public involvement group around needing a bit more support to to assess for joints.
1: Yes. uh, Yes. I mean, we we had discussion. We we were looking at the Remora app just before it was let loose. And uh, one of the images uh, on the Remora app actually missed the key which joints to examine. And it was so vital. And it was just not there. So it's back in now. we, we suggested it was put back in. But yes,
2: yeah, it'd be very useful, it, I think. Mm. Yeah, and the video link will be in there as well. So that'll be supporting research yes. and practice.
0: So Karen, how about you? Have you used this in your own um, treatment? Have you used this video to count your own joints? And how do you think that it can work best in clinical practice?
1: I I used the count last week because I could feel tingling all over. So I actually did a joint count and I found that I had a score of 10. Um, And it's it's useful to know before I come to clinic because I tend to forget everything when I come to clinic. So I have kept a record and and the app will keep a record as well that I'm using. Uh, So I think it saves time at the appointment for patients to self-examine before they come. And then that's a good way to correlate as well at the appointment. I think a clinician who trusts the patient has a much better relationship than one who wants to do everything himself. I mean, as a patient, I have seen many clinicians who have examined my joints in different ways and I look at them and I think that's not right. So I think it's it, it is a partnership and you've got to. Patients are different. I'm not saying all patients are the same. Some patients don't want to go near it. Um, But if a patient wants to engage into a proper partnership I think they've got to be trusted by the clinician. Taking their examination, taking their score is part of that.
2: What's your experience been of having your DAS28 score done in clinic? Uh,
1: Well the variation as I said before is amazing. Some clinicians don't do it at all. Um, My brother in Norwich, use an example, Uh, He didn't have it done and and he's still sky high um, with his pain Uh, and it it breaks my heart. I I do as a patient, I do belong to Facebook groups with patients with rheumatoid arthritis and some of the stories they tell make my toes curl. They have horrendous experiences. So I have that background going on. And and when you're in pain, um, you can't think of anything else. But when you're not in pain, you forget the pain that you've been in. So when you see the clinician every six months and it's a good day and he says, how are you? I say, oh, I'm fine. But the week before, I might have not been able to get out of bed. So it's so variable and it's so difficult. So having something like being able to examine your own joints uh, it is really, really helpful and knowing how to do it properly. And who better to look after your own health than the patient?
0: Charlotte, what advice would you give to anyone who's looking to develop a video like this? I think there's clearly a role for this kind of thing across a number of different areas in rheumatology.
2: Yeah, thanks, David. I think that developing videos is now one of the main ways in which people will experience um, all sorts of information, don't they, with TikTok and YouTube And developing a video like this has been an incredibly satisfying thing to do. I think the key advice I would give to somebody doing this is to scope out whether or not there's a need for a resource like this. Get the right people on board. So Karen expertise as a patient. Uh, We worked with a nurse clinician and we had a patient and public involvement group, which was ready established to help give us real criticism and positive feedback around the uh, video development. And then to really think about all of the stages that you need. So in the supplementary material for the article, there is um, a real step-by-step breakdown of what we did for the video. And I think that if I'd had had that um, as a resource to refer to beforehand, it would have been incredibly helpful. So have a skim through that because there's lots of different stages involved that you might not necessarily think about if you haven't done this kind of thing before.
0: Great. Well, I'd encourage everyone to go along to the Rheumatology Advances and Practice website and click through to the video and have a look and see how you can work it into your clinical practice charlotte karen thank you so much for joining us today
2: thank Thank you david
0: thank you for listening to talking rheumatology research brought to you by bsr
2: please do rate share and subscribe through your favorite podcast app